The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman, Brett King and Cameron Colley. And a happy Easter, everyone. This is The Boys of Tech. It is episode 113 for Monday, 25 April 2011. It is, of course, Easter Monday. My name is Edwin Herman, and joining me over Skype is, first of all, Brett King. Welcome along. Hey, hey. And also, Cameron Colley. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Well, I tell you what, I'm not so bad, but you're probably mourning the fact that the 8080 walkers are apparently off. They're not going to happen. Apparently not. George has said no, which didn't surprise me at all. George doesn't like anyone screwing with uh, Star Wars unless it's him. Mm. If anyone's going to stuff around with Star Wars, it can only be George. Well, um, this is IP. <laughs> so we're talking does. George Lucas here. Ah, uh, correct. Yeah, and the the eighty eighty walkers that we reported. What was it last week? Was it that someone was, was going to? Build a life size. Yeah. I, I really don't believe that it would have happened anyway. Yeah, I'm the same. An AT-AT walker. You. Okay, maybe an ATST. You know, the two legged ones from Return of the Jedi. But we're talking the AT-AT, the giant elephant-shaped one from Battle of Hoth. It's massive, massive. But how big are the ATST walkers? Like- even even that wouldn't have happened, would it? Oh no, you could have done an ATST. Are they just walker. human size? Are they? Yeah, yeah, because uh, oh, dude yeah. in Japan already created a gas-powered mech. That was, ah, okay. Uh, iPad, so and it you could definitely it. do that one, but but the oh, AT-A- yeah, the, the the mech one worked. But the eighty eighty ones, I agree, Brad. They they no, it wouldn't it's have worked. Far too big. There's no way no. it would have been able to. I'm, I'm, to, I'm with well, you. It wouldn't have been able to move. The amount of power required to make that thing move. A huge diesel engine in there. Indeed, a huge diesel engine, massive amount of hydraulic pressure, and it would have moved at what? You could have had a snail beat it, probably. But how, but how did it move in the film, then? No, it, that wasn't it, real. It wasn't real. It's all made up. What are you talking about? Yeah, that, that, that wasn't a documentary. There's no one told you. It was not a documentary. That was fiction. Right. Yeah, and now you're going to tell me there's no such thing as Ewoks. Sure, whatever. <laughs> Actually, no, no, I'm no, supposed Ewoks to be the one... I'm supposed to be the one saying, hang on, what's an AD-80 Walker? What film? What are you talking about? I'm the one who doesn't watch films. All-terrain armoured transport. You know what? I look, I must confess, that's, I had no idea what, what it stood I for. It stood for either, but yeah. <laughs> I think if anyone would know, it would be Brett. Yeah, exactly. Hey. So, oh, okay, run oh. it past us again a, a little bit more slowly because I haven't got a rewind button on, on my current thing. AT-80 <laughs> is what? It's an all-terrain armoured transport. All-terrain armoured transport. And AT-ST was all-terrain... Tra- scout transport. Right, okay. But I love the way he says, like, yeah. No, just like, yeah. Where, where, where this is like general through? knowledge. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it's like knowing what makes up water. Yeah, no. Hydrogen I, and oxygen. I mean, come oh, on, people, you know. Indeed, it's general knowledge. Well, look, I tell you. Where have you been since the 80s? <laughs> but did you know, but is it mentioned in the film or is this something you've done subsequent research and worked out what it means? Well, it is. I isn't was it? You owned child and I had the toys. Okay, uh. that is a good question. So, no, what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, is it in the film? How do people yeah. know that? No, they were just called ATSDs. Uh, I think maybe on one of the screens of one of the, you know, the computer screens, they might have 
said what it was called, but as far as I'm aware, they're just called the Metiestes. It's a bit like MacGyver. They don't tell you his first name until one of the last series. Indeed. What was it, Jeff? That is Angus. Angus. Is it Angus? Angus oh, MacGyver. Mm. But he never liked it, which is why he only called himself MacGyver. Oh, have you ever seen there's a, a YouTube-y thing or a Saturday Night Live thing where it's, it's, called, it's a TV show called Son of MacGyver, but this kid can't do anything, oh, and God. MacGyver just sits around getting really angry at him? Like the kid's almost really sort of camp and sort of just worries about his hair and stuff and he can't sort of do anything <laughs> at all. And it's called sort of MacGyver and they get into situations and he goes, go son. And he's like, oh dad, I'll like, I might, it's going to hurt my hands and stuff like that. It's horrible. Just look, I think How it's pretty sure do it's that. I'm pretty sure it's called Son of MacGyver. So if you go on YouTube and, and we'll do <laughs> oh, I have to definitely have yeah, to have a look and, at and that. And it's some Saturday night, Saturday night Live sketches and they're quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll have to check that out after the show. That's for sure. Now, a bit of sad news in the tech world. Norio Ogar from. Do you guys even know, that, even know who that is? He was. Uh, he played Monkey in Monkey Magic. Uh, no, he didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was one of the pioneers that led to. The eponymous compact disc. So he died at the age of eighty-one, and as you say, Brett, he's he's someone who whose influence is well known, but mm. certainly not uh, his name certainly isn't well attributed in yeah. general knowledge. He, but uh, he contributed a lot of things. Do you want to take us through some of the things that that may not have happened if it weren't for him? Well, we certainly wouldn't have Blu-ray, DVDs, or CDs. Sony would still be an analog electronics manufacturer. Not still. I mean, they would have eventually grown out of that, surely. Well, if the CD never came along or any of those other things, digital music, digital multimedia stuff just wouldn't have taken off. You could not have done that with magnetic tapes or with floppy disks. The stuff that he pioneered, the stuff that he... The PlayStation? Yeah, brought on with with Sony has changed the way that technology has worked. Basically, you transformed Sony from an analog electronics company to into the digital age really didn't yeah yeah mm. when people make these claims that if it went for so and so this never would happen of course the real answer is someone else would have but that's not the point the point not is necessarily well eventually it probably would but the, the fact is that uh, he pioneered all the stuff he had a lot of influence as to what happened he made a lot of important changes in the <laughs> technological world and uh, the sad news of course is that he's passed away at the age of 81 died of multiple organ failure Nasty. So, yeah, mm. so that's the sad news. In fact, both bits are sad news. The fact that the eighty eighty workers aren't going to uh, walkers aren't going to happen. Uh, but, I'm so, but I'm just wondering, did he was he also the guy that, that spearheaded uh, the Betamax and the Sony Mini Disc? No, don't okay, so just checking. That was just two failures he came up with. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Sony Mini Disc because that's well after nineteen ninety five. Do you think so? Yeah. Okay. Well, really? Because that's quite the the compact disc was eighty five or something. Yeah, well, mini disc. I think it came out, and then it was 80, popularized uh, by about eighty five. Right. So yeah. I would have thought the mini disc would have happened not long after, but maybe no, I think I thought mini disc was was around about ninety five. So. I thought it was late nineties, like like ninety eight, ninety nine. Interesting. Google it. I will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me Google that for you. L M. What is it? L M G T F Y. So, Brett, what's the story there about Terminator fans celebrating Judgment Day? Oh, another of these amazing pop culture things just passing you two by. It's just, oh, I'm I'm ashamed for you. But anyway. (laughs) So I actually remember this. I thought this happened years ago. Yeah, they postponed it, it, didn't they? Yeah, it's been postponed three times. 
Three times. So can, yeah, because there have been, been three different there been three different changes to the the Terminator chronology. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's, I'm going back. To, I remember back in about '98 was the original from the original film. It was the original time that Skynet became self aware. Because I remember being at a certain job and doing certain things, and this happening, and me talking about it. The original one was supposed to happen in oh. 1997. Yeah, okay. August 4th, 1997 was when the uh, original Judgment Day from the original Terminator movie was set. And then afterwards, it got shifted by the follow-up movies to Terminator to Judgment Day being in 2005. And the Sarah Connor Chronicles that came out 2009, they pushed it forward to April 19th, 2011. So it's come, it's gone Skynet has not taken over. We do not have to worship our all-powerful electronic overlords. But Skynet's not even real. (laughs) (laughs) It's pop culture, Ed. (laughs) Someone had to say it. (laughs) That's pretty good. I'm going to move on and talk about mobile devices tracking your location. First of all, iPhones, iPads, and other iOS devices apparently been tracking users' movements by storing their GPS coordinates in a secret file. Indeed, ever since iOS 4. It's like iOS 4 brought in this surreptitious tracking of your locations. It's As you move around, your iPhone is recording where you have been and storing it in itself. Oh, oh, I, I but, didn't see that in the release notes of the, of the no, iOS. No, no, it's definitely not in the release notes. And they haven't done it in a very well thought out way because it's completely accessible to anybody that has an OS X computer that your phone might get connected to, either by you using a, a work OS X computer or by a thief stealing your phone, they can connect it to their Mac OS X computer and get access to a complete breakdown of every location that you've been with that phone. I thought you had to have a jailbroken phone nope. to see it. You certainly need a jailbroken phone to run some of the apps that people have rushed out to delete that. Exactly. But uh, to view it, you're saying just any phone will, any uh, yeah, get access to that. Do. You can get access to that information really simply by having an OS X computer. So it's not even encrypted, is it? No. Now, there's some debate as to whether Apple is actually transmitting that information back to headquarters, whether it's phoning home, so to speak. Uh, I've seen reports where it says it is. Other reports saying... Well, they have admitted themselves. I've seen reports where they've admitted themselves that the iPhones do send bits of information back to Apple. But is this just purely for like assessing 3G network coverage, signal strength, that sort of thing? Because apparently... apparently Even then, it still doesn't need to store the information. It does not need to store it at all. The Microsoft Windows Phone 7 does not store any... Location-based information. Yeah, but that's because well, Microsoft, is, that's Microsoft <laughs> just forgot to put it in. <laughs> <laughs> or either that or as, as far as anyone knows. No, but Brett's right. I mean, so far there's no yeah, evidence that it is. But uh, why are they storing this stuff? Uh, you know, a, a source close to Apple says it's nothing more than a something that's going to come up in a, a feature to be released in the iPhone 5. Oh, maybe. But who really knows? But who knows and why? Android it's still ridiculous well. why it would need to store that information. You can use the information real time to do anything that you might need location specific data for. Yeah, but look, to look, store look. it, the only reason you would store it is so that you could track. And is that it, just is got yeah, but is it, is it tracking? Is it creepy problem? Yeah. <laughs> but is it tracking? Is it tracking it like in the sense that it wants to know where you're going, or is it just merely trying to build up some kind of profile to work out 
Either way, it's privacy no-no. It's like you've got an iPhone and I know that at four o'clock every Tuesday, you're going to have a Starbucks. And I know that at five o'clock when you're supposed to be at work, you're actually with your mistress in a motel. Yeah, but who knows this stuff? This but, is, yeah, but this he doesn't is know it's thing. a mistress and it doesn't know it's a motel. It just knows I'm in position A. No. With the mistress, you mean? Files it into a mat. So it's not that hard to work yeah, out. Yeah, I don't know. I see, I'm, I'm, I'm completely over the whole privacy thing and the internet. So I'm, I'm kind of like, I figure this has been happening anyway. Well, Cameron, you and- mentioned Android. But before we go there, let me just say that Apple can actually do this as part of the end user license agreement. It says in there, by using any location-based services on your iPhone, you agree and consent to Apple's and its partners and licensees transmission, collection, maintenance, processing and use of your location data to provide such products and services. Yeah, I mean, who and who who would actually read that? I mean, well, th- that's precisely. true. I, there yeah, is no one reads those. A lot I mean, what, of legal controversy over whether or not an EULA, yeah, can actually be enforced. Why wouldn't yeah. it be? Because people don't read them. Yeah, but they, you can't say because they don't read them, they can't be enforced. That's like saying, well, I didn't read the contract when I bought my house, so you can't. Well, enforce yeah, but it. It, a lot of that stuff is after the fact stuff. It's I have shelled out several hundred dollars to get this device. And now to use the device, I have to agree to something. Yeah, actually, you have a point there because I know that in New Zealand, and I'm not sure about other countries, but I I know that in New Zealand, you have to give people the opportunity to agree to something before. Otherwise, they're allowed to opt out, you know, know, at at no cost. So So when you buy an iPhone in New Zealand, before you've signed up to iTunes or anything else, they're they're EULA. You've already bought a product. So... But I don't know, maybe the EULA is, is available online or tells you before you, you know, I have never bought an iPhone. I mean, you actually, you bought an iPhone, Brett. Surely there was a sticker that said, the EULA is available at blah, 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 the URL. Go no, there. the box is actually very Spartan and it has a nice pretty apple on the front and a picture of the iPhone and then it's got iPhone 4 on the side and let's see what's on the bo- back of the box. Uh, it's got a rhythm, have you? On the back of the box, it's got what's included in the box. So where does it mention anything about the EULA anywhere or any agreement or a URL to go to? Because, I mean... Uh, no URLs on it. It does include a, a 54-page information booklet containing no. the EULA. But that would be inside the packaging that you've got to open to get into it. But that's okay because you can still return it and say, look, I read it and I didn't like it, so I don't agree to it. You can have it back. And that's happened before. That's happened before here in New Zealand. Not iPhones, sorry, but that's happened before with other 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 products here in New Zealand, where, where people have opened and people have tested these. You know, you you, you open it up, there you read your thing. No, I don't agree. You take it back with the store. They have to take it back. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Exactly, but that, you know, a lot of a lot of times you do get the opportunity to read the EULA, and uh, you know, there's other URL printed somewhere. But you're saying there isn't in this case. But bringing this back to to you know the story about storing information on where the iPhone is based on its coordinates. You know, the big question really, I, I think there are two things. First of all, why? But secondly, what is Apple doing with that information? Mm. Which is like kind of related to why, but like what are they actually doing with it? Is, is it just sitting there for a, for a feature later on? Or is this being... Well, I mean, nobody knows. Sh- shut of the thought, but is it being on sold? Surely not. Is it? Can it be tied to a user? Well, of course it can. But wait, because is, this, is this not something that telcos do anyway? 
Telcos, well, telcos don't store this information. Well, well how, do how, do, how, how do we know? That's a good point, actually. The telcos may well be storing the EMI number or whatever well, it is yeah, called these days. They do but, store, well, they do have to store that information for legal reasons because they can be forced by law for warrants to produce yeah, some, that sort some, of information. Some, some, yeah, some person's but being once again, it has to be produced by a, a warrant to force them to divulge it. Having it unlocked, available on the device itself, circumvents that. It's like if I stole your iPhone, Cameron, I could see everywhere you've been and I could work out your patterns. And so I could know as that thief. Where you live, where you work. Where you live, where you work, how long you spend at each and every one of those stops. And I know when you're not around. And that motel you've been visiting. And that, that hotel, so I, I have <laughs> so much information that I can use against yeah. you. But you know what? You know, you know what it comes to? Yeah, that's and right. openly, that's just right. by pinching one phone. And you could also do that by following me around the streets and seeing where I go. And you know, ah, you, but you know how I can circumvent that? I'm confused. Yeah, but see, I can just lock my doors and make sure that you can't break in. There's still that element <laughs> of, of personal responsibility but a lot of that personal responsibility gets taken away from you when the electronic devices that you do are surreptitiously tracking and making that data available. You don't have control over it then. Yeah, but see, if I'm a person that leaves my phone laying around and leaves my house unlocked, I deserve to be broken into. You get mugged at gunpoint. Ex- well, but my house is still unlocked, is it? Is it? I mean, how are no, you still just being mugged at gunpoint? It's not that hard to break into a house. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, 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 still see this, I still see this as being, I don't think there's anything different than telcos can do. Okay, Apple might have dropped the ball a little bit and made this information available. Clearly, they, I mean, they, they, they were keeping it and they didn't even bother to think to, to hide it anywhere. I'm sure this is going to be fixed in another update. Maybe they didn't hide it well enough. But, you know, it's a deliberate thing, obviously. It's, it's being stored there for a reason. Now, Android, just go, I want to talk about Android as well because it's been found that Android does a similar thing. Of course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, of course they would. So they're storing location information on the phone. Yeah. And it's not entirely clear whether it's traceable to a specific user, but it does, well, what it we is. do know, it does a good, like, well, it, it ties it to the phone itself, the serial number of the phone. Whether, exactly. Whether you can then tie that to a user, I don't know. Yeah, or whether it's just an Same anonymous person. Can, just like the iPhone. All Android phones have a unique identifier in it, and that unique identifier is tied to a cell phone number, and that cell phone number is personally identifiable to you. How? Because the device itself knows that. And when you register the device... Mm. Yeah, it could store that, so potentially... Exactly. It's true. It is true because... Apple knows that anything that happens with my iPhone is mine. Because it's yeah. tied to me, because I've signed up to iTunes and it knows That's that right. Brett you King with this yep. cell phone number is this Apple iPhone. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you can't, you can't turn on an iPhone without registering it to an, to an iTunes account. So hang on, we're talking about Android though here, yeah. right? So, so, so with Android, can you, can you not use Android and not tell it who you are? It's the same sort of deal when you sign up with your telco, with mm. the smartphone. It would know that that particular phone is owned by this person, by this account, through this, through this service provider. And it's, it's, it's more than likely going to be this person. Sure, you could be someone who lends their phone out to people and, I don't know, maybe you're a family that everyone shares the one phone. Sure, but chances are not, and it's probably the person paying the bill. Now, yeah. if you're on prepay, though, if you buy the phone outright and use it on prepay, you, then 
you know, surely. Well, that's right. Then, well, no, but still, because if it's well, in the, in the case of Apple, you still need the iTunes account. Yeah. So is that, is that no, the only way to put money on? No, no, no. Hang on. Why do you need the no. iTunes account? Because you, because it's you, the only way to sync the phone, and it's the only way to to activate the phone. Well, you yeah. need. Oh, hang on, hang on. You need iTunes, but but yeah. do you need an iTunes account? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you do. You need an iTunes account to activate an iPhone, whether or not you've oh, got. Oh, okay. Oh, it's actually activated, right? Okay. Or a prepaid. So, what about Android? If you bought an Android phone outright and then you you paid cash for your vouchers to top up through your telco, you know that's outside of Android's code. Then, then maybe. Then maybe. Then you, again, I don't know. Sure, you have to sync it. Still, you still yeah. have to register and activate there. And not just that. Is it tied to a? Is it tied to a Gmail account? Is it tied to? A Google yeah, account? I don't know how it works. Does anyone? No one here has an Android phone, obviously. No. no. No, unfortunately, the there are new ones that have made me regret my impulsive decision. Oh, don't be silly. <laughs> hey, you're just being silly. <laughs> you're now regretting buying an iPhone. Uh, well, it's always the way. I, I have come to accept the fact that if I buy an electronic device, within a month, a better thing will be out. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, you're, you're right, Brett. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You have to jump on that bandwagon at some point and say, right, I'm, I'm getting on this, yep, this train. This I'm buying this. I get on here but and it'll just There'll then, always be something better straight after. There always, it's always is that be. Yeah. kind of. Sometimes you know you you purchase the thing that you wanted, and it's you you you're comfortable with the fact that it's going to be you know a month's time something better is going to come along. But every now and then you have to settle for something, and that's when it really niggles you. When a month's time something way better comes along. What's really annoying is when you buy something after a while of hesitation because you were thinking, oh, I, I really wish they'd come out with a phone that does this. And there's nothing out there. And eventually you say, well, look, I'll just buy because I'll do without. No one offers that service. And as soon as you buy it, um, a month later, something else comes out with that very feature that never existed before. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> most annoying. Very annoying when that happens. Now, that's got st- nothing to do with the fact Sorry. that these smartphones are <laughs> storing people's location information when they shouldn't be. No, that's true. <laughs> well, I think we've done that story, but still on mobile phones, Square apparently is now available through an app for the iPhone. Now, Cameron, tell us, how does Square work? What is Square? Well, Square is like a, a payment system that you can run through your iPhone or your iPad. It comes with a small device that's, funnily enough, shaped like a Square. It's a credit card reader. You run your credit card through it. And from there, you can transmit details to a credit card company. The person who's purchasing from you can authorize the payment. They can sign on your iPhone, and it's a legitimate form of transaction. That's really neat. Is it only available for iOS devices, or does it work on... At the moment, I I believe it is only available for iOS devices. So the news here is that the device is available through the Apple Store, and you can get an app for the iPhone through the Apple App Store. Now, let's not get confused here. There's... There's two stores, right? There's the Apple Store and the Apple App Store. Correct. <laughs> yeah, is, the, App, the Apple Store is where they sell Macs and iPods and stuff physical online. Things. Usually physical things, yeah. But you can buy software through there as well. Yeah, but you generally but, get a physical thing with that. Too. It's still a disc, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, sure. Okay, you get physical delivery of something. And the Apple App Store is the online store. So this Square Reader is, is, is not RFID, is it? No, it appears to be an actual magnetic strip reader, which is kind of odd. I would have expected it to be an RFID reader. Yeah, because that's well, the way that credit cards are going. Well, some are. There's still a lot that are uh, chip, but not RFID chip, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But true. certainly you're right. They're, they're certainly phasing out magnetic Mag stripes. stripes yeah, yeah, exactly. So, quite where this is going to go, I don't know. But we can only guess that they're going to bring out either a chip version or an RFID version. Uh, but I'd like to point. see some third party hacks for this piece of hardware because that is a free 
and tiny magnetic stripe reader. And mag stripe readers are incredibly expensive and quite bulky to get a USB one to run on your computer. And like there were a plethora of different hacks for the, what was it called, the, the iCAT or the, the barcode scanner, the BarCat or whatever, back in the early 2000s. It would be neat to see some third-party hacks for this piece of hardware so that you could use it for other things, like attaching to your front door and having as a... No, uh, I see. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah now th- that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's be neat. Be... It's a very neat piece of hardware. Uh, I, I don't know how much it costs. The hardware is more interesting than the actual the service. purpose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I don't know how much the hardware actually costs itself to make, how much it costs the company. What I do know is that it's free, but really it's not because they're selling it for $10, but you get $10 credit because obviously the, the service charges uh, you know, a percentage of the transactions that go through. Mm. But, but whether, whether even $10 is what it costs the company, they might be taking a hit on that and, and taking the gamble that people aren't going to ditch it straight away. And so maybe it costs them $20, $30. I don't know, or even more. But mm. you're right. If it is relatively cheap to make, I mean, there's potential there in other places, that's for sure. Yeah. That's a neat bit of hardware kit there. Tell you something else neat. The world's largest Pac-Man game. <laughs> now, have you heard of that? It's, <laughs> it's this huge Pac-Man game, which is kind of like a whole bunch of, Pac-Man's laid out on a grid, or Pac-Man maps, if you like, laid out on a grid, uh, and uh, you people can build their own. Has anyone played this? No. Cameron? No, I haven't had a chance to play it at all yet. I played it yesterday, and uh, <laughs> it's actually really addictive because you start off in, in one map, and you can pick your starting point, and then, you know, when you go out one of the exits on the side, instead of kind of coming out the other side, as, as normally happens, you actually scroll along, if you like, to the next grid that whoever's designed that happens to be there. And oh, remembers, you could get completely lost in do, that thing. You do get completely lost. And there's people have created these these top-level maps uh, of where what grids have been played and what haven't and where people are spending the time and which directions are going. It is really cool. <laughs> it's kind of addictive. And, and some of the maps have, have heaps of open space. And some of them have lots of long, you know, it's, I don't know, you have to, you have to check it out. If you Google world's the largest Pac-Man game, you know, you'll get this straight away. It's, it's brilliant. It really is. That's awesome. I like it. I like it too. And it is the world's biggest Pac-Man game. I don't know if it violates copyright or something, but I don't know. Who cares? Now, the other cool thing is a 550 pound replica of the USS Intrepid built out of Lego. What do you reckon? So is that pound as in that's how much it costs or that's how much it weighs? That's a good point, Brett. Could have been taken that way. No, this is definitely 550 pounds in weight. So we're talking something like 250 kilos. So this is a huge, well, it's not as big as the real thing, obviously, but it contains a quarter of a million Lego pieces and is a close as you can get replica to the real 30,000 plus ton aircraft carrier. Sounds pretty impressive, yeah. Some very single man spent a lot of time building that. <laughs> I like the way you say that, very single man. <laughs> well, it was Clearly. Built by an artist. It was built by a 39-year-old Lego enthusiast from Portsmouth in the UK. Been to Portsmouth, nice place, I must admit. It's on display in New York at the moment. Uh, any Lego fans here? I Uh-oh. used to play with Lego when I was very small. And yes. Okay. Do you not still build stuff? No. Lego is far too expensive. Actually, it is very expensive. It is really expensive. I now play games and make things in Photoshop. You can build Lego in Photoshop. You can 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 indeed build Lego in Photoshop. 
But do you play those those Lego versions of games? Like you play Lego Indiana Jones or Lego Star Yes, I do. <laughs> I have play, Lego play, Indiana Jones. You still, you still it play was hilarious. You still play with Lego. It's just virtual Lego. Indeed. It is just virtual Lego. <laughs> Lego is expensive, but I mean, uh, yeah, I guess it's it makes it part of the GTP of what Denmark or wherever it is. Yeah, that's so, Danish, isn't it? Mm. It would have to be. Yeah, yeah. It was. If, well, if it would have to be. Lego, well, I'm just saying. If no meaning, it was. It's. It's very important to the to the Danish uh, economy. That's for sure. Oh right. Okay. Not not that it would have to be Danish. No, no, no. But there are some, you know, some really keen enthusiasts out there, and Lego have tailored a part of their market to that enthusiast builder, where you can order custom packs of blocks for what it is that you want to build. Now that is cool. And you can go in and design using Lego AutoCAD system a thing that you want to build and it will calculate all of the bricks you need and all of the different kinds and then you can order it. And <laughs> you don't just have it, to buy a pre-made, you know, a pre-packaged box. How, 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 how long does it take plane. for them to ship that to you, Brett? I have no idea. Well, if they're shipping it on their replica, it'll take forever. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it, it would just sink. I, I doubt it would float. Well, Lego's plastic. But hang on, do, do the bits float? No, no they I, sink, I think. Well, yeah. we, well I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It's the fact it's... Unless you trap air in each of them. Yeah, no, no. And it's still, if it weigh, it's weighing 250 kilos, it's going to sink no matter what. Yeah, 250 yeah. kilos, 22 feet long. I think that thing's going to sink. It's going to sink. Oh, man, we've got to test this. We've got, we've got to ask. I'll tell you what, we've got, we've got to get the guy on the show and ask him if it's going Hell to sink yeah. or not. I don't know if he knows, but, you know. All right, I think that's pretty much all we have for for the international stories. Don't go away, because after the break, we're going to come back with a very funny New Zealand story that Cameron pointed out. Don't go away. All right, welcome back. Now, Cameron, you alluded me to a story which I had no idea it's to do with here in New Zealand. Brett, you knew about it. Cameron, tell us what happened. Well, look, the beginning is I, I woke up this morning and this is one of those stories on my Facebook page. No, no, you know? no, no, not how you found it. Tell us about the story. All right, then. What happened was it's a pack and save, which I'm assuming is some kind of supermarket chain in, in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the ones mm-hmm. where that you don't pack your groceries for you. You have to. All oh, right, you do it yourself. You pack yourself, yeah. yeah. Hence pack okay. and save, Fair save right. money. All right. On uh, Good Friday morning, which is uh, a few days ago, the computer system there went, okay, it's uh, Friday. I'm going to open up at 8 o'clock and I'm going to turn the lights on and I'm going to open the doors, assuming there's a whole bunch of staff there to allow for that to happen. But apparently, well, no, it was a public holiday. No one was there. So the store opened up and some people walked past and went, hey, there's a, su- there's a supermarket that's opened that has no staff working there. That is so, brilliant. Yeah. So the yeah, computer, so a few, the computer opened customers. the store itself is what we're saying. Yeah. It turned the yeah, lights yeah. on. Turned it for the, set all the cash registers up for, for business, but no one was there, of course, because it was a public holiday. That's right. Yep. <laughs> and it had a lot of custom. A mm. lot of custom. Well, like you said, a lot of people yeah, looting, was, effectively. Yeah. yeah the, most of the people were filling up their shopping carts and going straight through the checkouts. Yeah, that is and, illegal, though, isn't it? Even, yeah, if, there's, even yeah. if there's no one in attendance, it's, yeah, it's illegal. it's called stealing. <laughs> yeah, it's called stealing. There were people there who were using the automated checkouts because the police were informed by a member of the public and but they went there and they found some people who were using the automated checkouts. But as they arrived, a lot of people were leaving. <laughs> In fact, a lot of them had, had already left. Exactly. Isn't that classic? I like the story. This is something cool. I don't know why. It just tickles my sense of humor. A store well, opening it's, itself. It's, 
it's funny in the whole computers and automation going wrong. <laughs> it's not funny in that that was a large amount of theft. <laughs> a lot of crime is going on and a lot of people in Hamilton are obviously thieves. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's telling us about the community in Hamilton. <laughs> However, it is funny how automation sometimes goes bad. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We've got some very nice listeners in Hamilton. My listener kindly tell me that the uh, RSS feed was playing up a little bit and I found a little bug in there and I fixed it. There are some nice people from Hamilton, <laughs> including those that listen to our show. But no, you're right, Brett. There are obviously a lot of people that took advantage of that, as, as we just reported. Yeah. I, this Isn't this I, it's brilliant? No one told the computer system that Good Friday was a public holiday. I bet it's not going to happen today, being Easter Monday. I bet <laughs> they've got that sorted. <laughs> I mean, it, makes me, it makes me wonder whether there must have been some kind of new computer system installed because that seems to be just some sort of oversight by the owners of the shop. Because yeah, yeah. did it happen last year? I mean, in the year well, before. Exactly, that's the thing. It's, no, so why would it? Why would it suddenly say today is the day that I'm going to do this? It, it must. That's a very good point. It was just never that, told that this no, that, was a thriving. Oh yeah. yeah, well, it could be that you have to. I mean, how, who knows how this computer system works? Maybe you have to manually say this is a public holiday, and maybe whoever's in charge of that forgot yeah. to do it. Yeah, because a lot of the public holidays randomly move around. Well, yeah, but, the, but good software actually knows where to get the information from yeah, or have it programmed in. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking it's some kind of either new installation where the, everything was sort of reset at zero and it had no idea about anything and that was all coming, so. Or it's a piece of software. Here's a lot of speculation going on, but it's a, it could be a piece of software built outside of New Zealand and hasn't catered for localization very well. Indeed. And that's the show. So Cameron, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. And also, Brett, thank you as well. Always a pleasure, Ed. And that was episode 113. Thank you very much for joining us. And if you like the show, consider a small donation. Visit our website, boysatech.com, and click the donate button. And don't forget, while you're there, to buy some of our invisible merchandise so you too can be invisibly cool. (laughs) Absolutely. Invisible it is, that's for sure. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to talk about a new application for the iPhone and iPod and iPad Touch. iPad Touch? What's an iPad Touch? I don't know. What is it? They just touch anyway. (laughs) Yeah, they do touch, don't they? The Apple App Store is selling the device. No. (laughs) Not the App Store. You're getting them wrong, Ed. The App Store is different to the Apple Store. No, you're right. Actually, you're right. I'm getting them mixed up between the Apple Store because yeah. I've forgotten about the Apple Store. Yes, yeah, we're not we're not confused. We're just waiting for you to catch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me do this. Let me do this again. From the top. So, Cameron, thank you very much for joining us. It's um, it's good that you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that, that, that that's, that's one of the the, the most not yes, that was the most condescending. Like, uh, yeah, thanks for being here. Oh, yeah, thanks for being here, it's Cameron. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, thanks, thanks for thanks for doing your stuff. Yeah, Ed. thanks for whatever. Just yeah, you yeah. can go now.